So it's not that we should shove all decision making down to customer facing people or to end result people or to output based people. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that if we don't have effective ways of getting that input along the lines, getting those other thoughts, getting those other ideas, then we simply slow down the process so much that it doesn't matter that our answer is better. Hi, and you just entered the Leadership Gym. I'm Randy Hall. I'm an executive coach and leadership consultant. And this is the place where we work on our ability to lead our team, lead our business, and yes, lead ourselves. If you are looking to improve your capabilities as a leader, you are in the right spot. And welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for working on your leadership. It changes the world when we do it well. And sometimes it's one person at a time it still makes a difference. And I love spending time, even though it's kind of virtually in an audio environment with people that are working on it, that think that if they show up better, they can help others continue to achieve more success, that they can be a catalyst. For people doing things differently, making different choices, achieving more of what's possible for them because of that. So thank you for being here and for being part of this community that takes a look at leadership through the lens of how can we have more impact on others, through the lens of how can we help more success and good results happen in the world in a lot of different ways. How can we build strong businesses? Because we have strong, fully engaged, committed people. Those two things aren't disconnected. They are essential to each other. And, we, and most of us know that intellectually. But when we go start to examine processes and behaviors and activities and actions that people execute inside organizations, sometimes that gets lost. That gets lost because people start to develop habits that are comfortable or they make decisions based on what's easiest or fastest. And they lose sight of the fact that if we want to build a great business, we have to lead in a way that allows people to show up at their best. And that is connected to the way that we lead. That concept has to be at the front of what we do. Today, I'm going to talk about an example of that communication inside an organization. We're going to talk a little bit about communication flow, how it happens, what gets in our way much of the time when we think about making it happen or helping it happen in ways that we think are best inside an organization. Because the reality is, lack of effective Communication, doing it wrong, can kill a business, any business, and can hamper every business. And it's one of the biggest challenges we face. And some of the tools that we use for it simply don't help, aren't the right ones. We use them incorrectly. All of that gets in our way, too. 
So we're going to tackle at least the bigger picture of that and also give you some ways to think about how to change the flow of communication in your world and why that matters. If you want to be part of this conversation in a bigger way, go to leadershipgym.com. We are having it there as well. You can also join our Leadership Gym group on LinkedIn. If you're there, we're having it there too. We have a blog as well. We're having the conversation there. We're doing everything we can to start discussions around how leaders improve the impact that they have. So thanks for being part of this. I hope you'll be part of that as well. Okay, let's talk about this communication thing. It's one of those words that gets used, misused, thrown around, misinterpreted, blamed on other people, all of those things. As leaders, we have to know a couple of things about communication in order to be effective. One is that as leaders, and we've talked about this in other episodes as well, but we don't just own what we say. We also own how it lands, what it causes, how it gets interpreted. And that feels really huge to say that I own how other people perceive my words or my text or any other way that I communicate with people. When we say that, though, and when we think about that as leaders, it causes us to communicate differently. So it's not about the fact that we actually have to own every bit of perception. And if someone does misperceive or misunderstand or misquote or misinterpret what we said, that it's 100% our fault. It's not about that. It is that if we as leaders think about how we communicate with the assumption that we have to have some ownership for how it's received, then we simply communicate differently. There are times we won't use an email because we know that needs a phone call or a face-to-face conversation or a face-to-video Zoom conversation or whatever it is that we might be able to do these days. But we know that it requires a different mode. So how we choose communication happens. The method we choose to deliver and receive and share and discuss with other people matters for us. Let's talk about some of the things that poor communication does in organizations so that we can also think about the dangers associated with doing it in ways that aren't effective. All right. The first thing it does is it slows down decisions. Let's Just think about the process of an organization making a decision at the customer level, but having to communicate that decision up through two or three people, get approval or get a final decision or get input or get other people's thoughts or ideas, which are all good things, and then move back down the organization. Now, Again, good things. That's a collaborative approach. A lot of people involved being able to think about the choice that we have and the decision we want to make in a lot of different ways. All really good things. If it takes a week or two or three to do or lands on someone's desk or doesn't get addressed or gets knocked down the priority list, then it's not a good thing. Our communication flow killed it killed its ability to go have impact on a customer or on the next customer, maybe. So it's not so much that we don't want other input and we want to move all decision-making to a local place. As a rule, 
moving decision down in an organization is generally good. That doesn't mean we want it all there. There are other decisions that need other information that it's only accessible at certain levels of an organization. So it's not that we should shove all decision-making down to customer-facing people or to end-result people or to output-based people. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that if we don't have effective ways of getting that input along the lines, getting those other thoughts, getting those other ideas, then we simply slow down the process so much that it doesn't matter that our answer is better depending on the situation. It could just be too late, right? So it can slow down decisions in ways if we do it poorly. It can cause a lot of redundant work. More than one person trying to solve the same problem inside an organization. People not knowing what other people are doing, and so they're either frustrated or working on the same thing or trying to solve it themselves. I've been inside sales organizations where this happens a lot. I need marketing information to share with a client to help sell more products, but I've got to wait on what looks like another function or feels like another function way over there or way up there to weigh in, give their thoughts in order to make these changes. So I'm going to pull something together right now that may not be the best thing for the business, but it feels the fastest for me. And so I go ahead and do it because I think it's time sensitive. It can cause redundant work. It can reduce the quality of the work. But now we're both doing the thing. It increases conflict due to assumptions. If I don't know what somebody's thinking, what they're working on, what their perspective is, what their ideas are, what their thoughts are, then I may assume that they're not working on it or that they don't care about my project or that they don't think I'm a good teammate. I can make up all sorts of things in my head. Now, as we as humans, we respond emotionally, not to things people do or don't do, but to why we think they did or didn't do them. So if somebody doesn't get back to us, we automatically might assume, well, they don't care. They don't care about my needs. They don't care about this customer. They don't care about the work I'm trying to do. They don't care about the effort I'm putting in. That may or may not be true at all, but we will make that assumption because communication didn't happen well. And then we will feel a certain way, which could be reducing our trust, reducing our willingness to work with, actually maybe even increasing our animosity toward that other human, labeling them as slow or lazy or uncaring or any of the other things we might call another person. And that's where our emotions, that's where the conflict actually starts. I've now labeled another person because of what I think they did and more importantly, why I think they did it, what their intent was behind it. So lack of communication or ineffective communication causes that as well. And then it kills productivity due to ambiguity. So if I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing or what someone else is working on or what other people's thoughts are and I need to wait on that, I simply stand still until I get all those answers. Ambiguity causes the mind to stand still. That's different from what we're talking about with, say, a salesperson that needed the marketing project, right? I'm not waiting for that. But if I don't have role clarity or if I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be part of a project or if I think something else is coming and it isn't and there's ambiguity in the system like that, 
I simply stop. I simply don't work on that thing or don't have input into that space or don't do anything to try to move that part of the business forward. Confusion makes the mind stand still. Ambiguity causes confusion. We simply wait for better instructions, a better answer, or something else that we don't have. And one of the biggest mistakes that I watch organizations make is that they think communication should follow organizational structure. So organizational structure is about ownership flow, not information flow. So I need to know what the org structure is, maybe, especially as organizations grow because complexity increases with size. And so we have to manage it with things like organizational structure or changes in organizational structure. And so as we do, we start to separate responsibilities within the organization. We separate ownership. This person owns this thing. They might own the output or the final result of this team. They might own this function. They might own this set of inputs, but they're going to own certain things. And that's how we create roles. And that's how we create jobs. And that's how we create hierarchies. And that's how we create organizational structures based on who needs to do what inside the organization and have ownership for it. And then we start to look at who else can contribute to it. But that's essentially, in most organizations, what an org chart is for, so that we can understand who owns the outcomes and that we can organize the work that we do by function that way. But we will start to say, okay, communication has to flow in those same channels. So now I can't talk two levels up or I can't talk three levels over or I can't communicate freely in certain situations. And the reason that shows up in organizations is generally associated with a couple of things, a couple of things. One is insecurity or fear of transparency. There are managers inside businesses that say, I need to control the flow of information so that it looks good for me or so that I can shape it in ways that it is best consumed by people above me in the organization or by my peer group in the organization. Now, that's an interpersonal, emotional kind of response that should not drive how we communicate. That's an individual deciding what information matters more based on whether or not they agree with it, which is one of the worst things that we can do inside an organization. And yet, let's face it, it's a normal human tendency. It doesn't make them bad people. It just makes them people when we do these things. I'm not suggesting that these people are evil or ill-intended. I'm suggesting that that set of habits and fears and reactions and emotions happens in any organization, and it can start to shape the flow of communication in ways that aren't best for the business, even if they are best for that individual manager or their own personal sort of set of feelings. So that's one reason we get insecurity, fear of transparency. If my people talk to my boss, they may say things that either misinterpret how I told them that or make me look bad or any of the other things that start to get in our way there. So that's the first one. 
The second one are these perceived challenges with information management. And you see this happen in meetings where we say, hey, should people be able to talk to your boss? Well, I don't know. I don't want my whole team calling my boss every day or sending them emails every day or everybody emailing the CEO every day because that would be tough to manage. All that information, all those requests, ideas, thoughts, statements, whatever they might be, become difficult to manage. And we don't want to, again, well-intended, we don't want to think about a whole lot of people maybe reaching out to the CEO for something or someone several levels up inside an organization even, or the owner of a business even, and saying, hey, Here's all the things we want you to think about or know from us. And then that person not being able to get back or comment or contribute or respond to all these things that creates maybe this perception of, you know, a disengaged owner or CEO or someone that doesn't care. Again, we're back to the possible misperceptions that could happen that people want to guard against. And it's a reasonable, reasonable thing to be thinking about, right? It's a reasonable worry. And yet the reality is that almost never happens. Most people just don't have the, the, the risk tolerance to go sending messages to the CEO all the time or sending them to the owner. So the goal here is encourage the right kind of communication flow, the right kind of transparency, and then manage what actually tends to show up there if it becomes a problem. And you can do that with town halls, with videos, with lots of things. We have the technology. We have the ability to solve that problem. What we don't want to do is stop the flow of communication because of a perceived problem that will probably never happen. And if it does, we're smart enough to figure it out, not to stifle our communication. Freedom of communication increases transparency in an organization and transparency increases trust. Without communication, we start to mistrust throughout the entire organization. Again, this is probably not new information for you. But what we essentially do inside organizations is play a version of that telephone game. You can talk to these people, but not these people. And these people will tell these people what you said or what you think, or they'll gather all your responses and then push them upward in a way that gives a, a better representation of the challenges that we're facing. Unfortunately, the message gets shaped and shifted and changed and sometimes loses all of the sincerity and truth associated with it on the journey. So we know that there are reasonable worries available to us if we choose to have them. We know that communication should be good inside an organization to make it more effective. This is why people are going to flat organizations in a lot of cases. We don't want a whole hierarchy. We also don't want to stifle information flow because most CEOs, most owners, most leaders most senior leaders, people in the business, they would like the truth. We've just built a system that doesn't get that to them effectively. So I want you to think about a couple of things you do as a leader inside your business when you think about information flow, communication flow, transparency, trust, because they all hinge on our ability to encourage them and create them and cause them as leaders not just hope they happen or expect 
people to have such a risk tolerance that they force their way into discussions that allow us to have more truth just won't happen that way. And we might not like it if it did. We got to encourage people to ask questions. And that doesn't just mean telling them to. It means creating vehicles so that they can. There are lots of ways to do that. Again, we have all the technology now. People do live Q&A sessions with hundreds and thousands of people on the web. And that doesn't mean everybody's question gets answered. It does mean that leaders are seen as available to answer them and that some of them do. We want to encourage people to communicate in any direction. That means that they need to know that you don't have to run something by me to talk to someone else in the organization, no matter where they sit. That's the ability for us to transfer information around in a truth-based way. There's lots of things we can do to facilitate that in addition to encouraging it. We can create skip-level conversations. I want my boss to talk to my team once a quarter. I want you guys to have a lunch. I don't care if it's a virtual lunch, but spend an hour together. Talk about what I'm doing well. Talk about what I'm not doing well. Give them feedback on me. Give them feedback on the business so that I can have better conversations with them. I want feedback from my boss. I also want to share my thoughts about what my team thinks. I want to have that conversation. That's much more transparent. That's much more effective. The business gets better if we do, especially if we do it well. So think about communication, how it happens in your organization and ways to improve it and other vehicles. I use that word for it, which means that we might have morning huddles with our team. We might have additional shorter conversations with our people that happen more frequently. Don't think of every meeting as an hour. Don't think of every meeting as a confined time limit. Have a five minute meeting. Have a 15 minute meeting. If it goes longer, okay. We got to manage that, right? We got to think about it. It also says that we may not be talking enough if there's that much to say or cover or think about, but that's okay. We'll create some vehicles for the discussion rather than hope they happen despite the obstacles of the work and that people have to bust through or quit working in order to talk. That kind of mentality will help us stifle communication in the organization and ask your own questions. And you hear me say this a lot because I see how well it works for leaders. Here's some things I want to know from you. Here's some things I want your thoughts on, your opinion on, your ideas on, your energy on, your discussion on, because that takes things and moves them from a space where we think we get them to a space where we intimately understand them. And that means we can execute. It's impossible to execute things we don't have complete clarity on. And discussion is where we get the clarity, not more bullets in the email. So think about how organizational communication happens in your business. Watch the flow of it if you can. Think about it that way. Who's talking to who? Who's not talking to who? Look for ways to put vehicles in place to break those barriers, those silos, and those mindsets down. Because so much about communication happens in an organization or about perceived permissions, not actual opportunities. I don't think I should be able to talk to them, either because of where I worked before or because that's how I see things happen here. That's what the culture looks like. Communication is critical. It's the blood of our organization, and we have to make sure it flows to all parts. It flows freely. It flows well. And that there aren't log jams or roadblocks or, heaven forbid, blockages. 
because it will kill us over time. Okay, thanks for being here. I hope that we're bringing you information and insights and thoughts and questions that help you lead more effectively. If we are, I hope you'll give us a five-star review and rating so that other people can understand what you took away and that it mattered in a way that you chose to come back or that you think they should. So if you can do that, we'd appreciate it. Helps us reach more leaders, help more people. That'll make the world a better place. Thanks. Think about your communication in your organization, ways you can facilitate it. Look for places it's not happening like it should and go make a difference. <laughs>